Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to uh, have you turn today in your Bible to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And when we were here last Sunday, Last Sunday morning, we were looking at the 11th chapter and we were looking at verse number six. Verse number six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Of course, that's referring to God. And, uh, and I want to go back and just uh, catch up on a couple of things that we said before this because there are some things that are very, very important uh, that we must continually remind ourselves of, of in order to walk in this life of faith. And so hold your place in Hebrews, put a marker there or something, and then go with me over to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. This is something that we looked at, some truths that we looked at a few weeks ago. But I want to go back and look at it again and ponder it just a little bit and reinforce it. Matthew chapter 13. Now, as you're turning there, I will remind you that in Luke's gospel, in this same setting where Matthew, was, where Matthew records Jesus teaching the parables and then giving the explanation of those parables, in Luke's version of this, in the eighth chapter of Luke, Jesus, Luke records that Jesus made this statement. He said, take heed how you hear, referring to how you hear the word. Take heed how you hear. Well, what does that mean to take heed how you hear? Well, in Matthew 13, this, like I said, this is Matthew's version of this teaching. And uh, let's start in verse number 10. It says, the disciples came and said to him, to Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now, if you look at just these verses, it would, lead, it would give you the impression that God chooses some people to enlighten and other people he chooses to to not enlighten because he said to referring to the to the multitude that was around he said to it's been given to you disciples to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given but if you read the rest of this passage you find out why it was not given to the multitude he went on to say he said i speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand and again, this just sounds like this was, uh, this is the condition that the multitude was in forever. In other words, this is just who they were. They were people who didn't see, didn't hear, didn't understand. That was just their condition. It was who they were. That's not true. Because he goes on to say, he said, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, 
and seeing you will see and not perceive. Now notice verse 15 very carefully. For the hearts of this people have, what's the next word? The hearts of this people have what? Grown dull. That means their heart was not always dull. Their hearts became dull. I pointed out earlier that according to the dictionary, dull means to be slow in perception or sensibility. This was a condition that they had developed over time. Notice it wasn't an instantaneous turn either. It was a progression, or I should say a digression. They became dull in their hearts. They became slower and slower in perception and sensibility. Dull means lacking zest or vivacity. It means listlessness. It means to be slow in action, sluggish. This tells me that the multitude of people that Jesus came to, at one time they were alert. At one time they heard. At one time they were quick to act. At one time they were uh, full of spiritual zest. They were vivacious spiritually, but they became dull. Well, how did that happen? He said, the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Have you ever heard or been around somebody that's hard of hearing? You have to shout to get their attention. See, someone that's hard of hearing, they hear the train whistle, but they don't hear the bluebird singing. I don't want to go through life hearing God's train whistle when he has to scream at me to get my attention because I want to hear the subtle leadings of the Spirit. I want to hear it when he whispers to my spirit. These people once had that, but they lost it. He said, their ears are hard of hearing, and notice their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. Everybody say turn. Turn, that means change. It means repent. It means change direction. It means make an adjustment. He said, lest they should make an adjustment and I should heal them. Well, you know, the pastor's preaching another faith message. I've already heard this. You just closed your ears. Just closed your ears. Well, I already know all of this. You just closed your eyes. How many of you understand that when Jesus was telling the disciples the condition of the multitude around them, that it applies today? That it's not just a historical uh, picture of what was, it's a warning for us today to not be that way. Don't be dull in spirit. Don't have dullness of heart. Don't close your ears or close your eyes. There is truth, fresh truth, fresh revelation, fresh understanding from the word of God every 
time it's spoken if, you hear, if your ears are open. If you keep your eyes open, then you can receive more. He said in verse number 12, for whoever has, to him more will be given and he will have abundance. I like that. I want abundance of revelation. I don't want to just know what I have known. I want to know what God is leading me into. I want to know more. The only way to know more is to make sure I'm walking in what I know. The only way to make sure I'm walking in what I know is to go over what I know, is to rehearse what I know. I have a routine in my personal life. This is in my personal life. Every day I rehearse what I know. Every day I go over certain, there are certain basic fundamental scriptures that are just very important to me because they've anchored my life. Now, I don't go over every scripture, I know, but I go over representative scriptures that, that to me put it in such a succinct and such a, a, a concise a description that when I read them and meditate on them, it begins to, uh, the Spirit of God begins to elaborate and other scriptures come to mind. And when that process begins, revelation, fresh revelation begins to flow. That doesn't happen if I don't go over the basics. Now, yes, God can scream at me. He can give the train whistle. But if you live from train whistle to train whistle, you're gonna miss the birds. You're gonna miss the subtle things that God wants you to have. And really, in life and in living for God, the, the richness of the Christian life is in those things that he shares with us every day. And he does it primarily through his word. He does it primarily, he doesn't, if you, if, if you do not spend time in the word, it's not a time calculation, but you know what I mean by that. If you are not attentive to give yourself to the word to some degree every day in your life, if you don't do this habitually, the spirit of God will not be able to speak to you the way he wants to. Put, put a premium in your life on rehearsing the truths that have brought you from defeat into victory. Go over those things afresh and anew every day. That's what primes you spiritually for the Spirit of God then to begin to show you things. Notice he said they closed their eyes and their ears and refused to understand because they were dull. They had grown dull in heart. And he said they did this and by doing this, they, they, uh, they could not understand with their hearts and make adjustments, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. That, make, that means make an adjustment. Thank God for the Spirit of God leading us to make adjustments when we need to. These adjustments aren't always, aren't always correcting something that's wrong. Now, thank God for that. Thank God for adjustments that correct us when they're wrong, but there are adjustments from one place to a higher place. There are adjustments that take us from one level of understanding, one level, level of, of uh, experience in God, and we, we change, we turn, we adjust to a higher level. And we get on that higher level, we're more fruitful for God, we, we accomplish more, we have more harvest, Amen. 
Well, praise the Lord. Last Sunday, I talked about real quick five faith facts. Number one, we are saved by grace through faith. Now, think about that for just a minute. Our salvation, the, the, the thing that determines the difference between heaven and hell. Hell is a real place. People go there. If they reject the Lord Jesus Christ and refuse to simply believe, hell is their destination. That's where they're going. That's, that's the truth. I said uh, in an earlier session that when I was a young Christian, sometimes I would, I would grow frustrated because I was learning you know, the principles of faith and learning to live by faith. And sometimes it seemed to me that God was being awfully hard, that he wouldn't cut me any slack. I mean, I had to say it right, believe right, and do all of the things, you know, and, and, if, and, if I, and it seemed that if I didn't have all of these things working for me, God just would not answer. And I thought God was being hard with me. I come to, to, to realize eventually that he was being uh, bless, he was blessing me, he was helping me because he was, I was learning that if I, if I believe right and if I talk right and I act on the word, I can always have the answer. He was making me line my life up so that I could learn that I could line it up. And if I can line it up, if I could line it up today, I can line it up next year. If I walked in truth and God heard and answered me and I received from, from living by faith a year ago, I know I can do it now because the principles never change. That consistency that God was really, what he was really demonstrating was consistency in how he responded so I would develop the, the, the discipline of consistency in coming to him. Well, think about this. I was concerned that, you know, God, you could just cut me some slack and just heal me because I'm suffering. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy on me. Well, he was merciful, but he was teaching me to come by faith, not by whining. But if, if that's, think about this. God puts even eternal salvation on the same requirement. He, he puts it on the same track. I know a lot of uh, uh, unsaved people will say, well, how in the world could God, how could a loving God send people to hell? Well, number one, he doesn't send people to hell. They send themselves to hell. But he lets them go. He lets them go. And there are people who are determined to know God, but they want to know him on their own terms. They have their own ideas, their own philosophies of what God, who God is, and, and how they are to relate to him, and they go their own way, and God will let them do that. But he's not going to change his, his approach. His approach is to come to him according to the, his word by faith. So if we're saved by grace through faith, then, and, and there's no other way to be saved except through grace, by, by grace through faith. If there's no other way, then that means that, that God's serious about this faith business. God 
takes faith very seriously. It is the principle upon which all of, uh, of his dealings with man are based. All of his dealings are based upon this principle of faith. Amen. Number two, we, it says the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. There's no other way to live. There's, there's two sides to that. You can live by faith. If you're not living by faith, you can. You can start living by faith. There's no other way to live. The flip side of that is that that's not just a, a promise. That's a fact. The just do live by faith. Whether you recognize it or not, you are living by faith. If you're saved, you're living by faith. But if your faith isn't strong, if you don't know how to operate faith, if you're not diligent where faith is concerned, you're living by faith, all right, but you're living way down here instead of way up here. So the just will live by his, I like the way it says this scripture is, is a quotation from the book of, of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, the new King James says, the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith. Well, we live by faith. And if you want to live higher, then tune up your faith. Amen? Amen. Number three, we're told that we fight the good fight of faith. We don't fight the devil. We just cast him out. We rebuke him and we resist him. We had the illustration that didn't happen last week of resisting him because Jack was not here and I don't want to take time to do it today. We know what it means to resist. Well, we don't, we, if someone like, like Jack or Nate or Mia, they know and others perhaps, they know martial arts. It's not so much that he has to fight me, he can just resist me. He knows how to resist me. Well, we don't fight the devil, but we do resist him. Amen. And we do it by faith. Amen. The number four, I love this. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, for the, for the victory which overcomes the world is our faith. Your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Say it a little, a little differently. If you're going to overcome the world, you're going to do it by faith. If you're looking for victory in your life, if you're looking for answers, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for happiness in life, if you're looking for fulfillment, if you're looking to have some kind of a need met, whether it's a, maybe you've got a financial obligation, you don't know how, to, how you're going to uh, meet that obligation or you have sickness in your body or turmoil in your family or, or in your mind or anything in life in that, that's of this world that's coming against you. And, and if you want to have victory over that, faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. There, there isn't victory any other way than the faith way. I think a lot of Christians go through life just hoping God will give them a break and just make an exception for them and just let them be happy and let them be well and let them be prosperous and, and just give them the good life and they can just, uh, just kind of slide. And just, just, be, just be blessed. We tell one another, be blessed. Be blessed. Well, you can say be blessed, but unless someone's going to live by faith, they're not going to be blessed. The blessings of God are not going to fall on you like, 
ripe apples off of a tree. You have to reach up and take them by faith. Faith is the victory. Faith, say that after me. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Wishful thinking isn't the victory. Faith is the victory. Amen. Works won't produce victory. Faith produces victory. Amen. And then we turn to Hebrews 11. That's where we're at this morning. Hebrews 11. We know this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, like I said last week, there are other things that please God besides faith. But none of those other things will please him without faith. I'm going to say that again. There are other things that please God besides faith, but those other things, if you don't do them in faith, they don't please God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, now abides faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Well, does love please God? Yeah, but not, not if it's not done in faith. Amen. Everything, see, our whole approach to God has to be in faith. Paul said of the, of the Jews, he said, they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. And therefore, they're outside of the blessings of God. They're outside of the, of the covenant of grace because though they have a zeal for God, though they want God, though they go after God, they don't do it according to faith. He made another uh, interesting statement in Hebrews or, or in, in the book of Romans. He said, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Now, what in the world does that mean? Whatever not, is not of faith is sin. What that simply means is our whole approach to God has to be on the basis of faith. Because what are the options? What are the alternatives? If you're not approaching God, whether it's for your salvation or your healing or any other answer to prayer, if you're not approaching God on the basis of faith, you're approaching him on some other basis. And he has outlawed all those other bases. You're either approaching him on your works. Well, God, you know, I pay my tithe and I'm in church all the time. Just heal me. You know I'm a good person. Just works. Now, works are good, but faith is first. Whatever's not of faith, if you come to God on the basis of your good deeds, if you come to God on the basis of your family pedigree, well, my, I'm the third generation in this church. My grandparents are sitting here, my parents are sitting here, and we've all been living by faith. And you know what? You could just, you could just heal my body because after all, I've been here all my life. Whatever's not of faith is sin because it's coming some other way. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That's happy news. But like I said, I, I struggled with that. When I was young in the Lord, I struggled because I, I thought, you know, you could just lighten up on me. 
Yeah, you could lighten up on me and let me just get by with sin. No, I had to learn the righteousness of faith. Had to learn the walk of faith. Had to learn to live by faith. I had to learn to practice faith. Had to learn to come back to faith. Had to learn to start with faith, exist in faith, finish in faith, and everything in between, faith, 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 faith. Because anything else is unacceptable. Well, amen. He who comes to God, he says, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, I said this last week, you don't even have to come to God. Nobody's making you come to God. I'm not making you come to God. Your parents can't make you come to God. God won't make you come to God. You can just reject God outright and say, I'm just not going to receive Jesus. Or you can reject this message. I'm not talking about rejecting me. You can just sit here and say, you know, I've heard this and I'm tired of hearing it. Well, it's okay. You can, you can either have a heart for God every day in your life or you can go through periods of time where you just kind of grow dull and just sort of listless spiritually and nobody knows, nobody can see it. You come to church and you've learned to put your hands up at the right times and down at the, wrong t- at the right time and, and, and shake hands and be friendly and fellowship and all of that and be dull spiritually all that time. You can go that way for, for weeks and months. If you want to, God will let you. So in, in the sense of not rejecting Christ, but just not really living in the best fellowship, just not really being hungry for God, just really not being after him. Well, if you're not after him, you're after something else. If you're, not, if you're not following after God with all of your heart, your heart's following after something else, at least in, me, in measure, isn't that right? Well, you can do that. But he said, he who comes to God must believe. Say it a different way. He who comes to God must come in faith. He who comes to God must believe. Everybody say that. He who comes to God must believe. If you won't come by faith, God's not going to respond to you. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I flew to uh, Colorado back in 2002 to go skiing. Went by myself. And uh, when I left, I, was, I had rented a, a, a hotel room in one town that was between several ski resorts because I wanted to go to different places. So I skied several days. And uh, so when I left, I, I, I left from a place called Dillon, I think. It's on I-70. You remember that? That's Dillon. And, and I was on, I was in, and it was quite a ways from the Denver airport. Now, I don't know if this has changed, but at, at the time that I was doing this, the Denver airport, you dropped your bags off and, and checked in to, 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 you know, to drop your bags off. I don't know, maybe a mile or so from the main terminal. And I got there five, I mean, I was there on, on the property on time, but I walked up to deliver my bags five minutes late, and they would not take my bags. I said, here are my bags right here. I just, it's, and it was maybe an hour before my flight, or I mean, it was a long time before my flight. 
But this was in 2002, December of 2002, and hadn't been that long since September 2001. And so security, they were, you know, they didn't have all of the security protocols we have. They didn't have all of the tools they have. And so they were struggling in, in air travel. They were struggling to, to figure out how to secure, you know, the airlines for our safety. And for some reason, my bags had to be there that early. Well, I got there five minutes late. I had a ticket. Sorry, sir. We won't take your bags. Not, I mean, not for this flight. We'll take your bags, but you won't get on this flight. I said, you're going to take my bags? And they're going to get on the, on the tram or they're going to go to the airport? And you just refuse to let me on the plane because I was five minutes late? I said, it'll take you more than five minutes to get everybody's bags off. You can just add mine in there. No, sir, we're not going to do it. You know what? I missed that flight. Because I wasn't at the, at the baggage drop at time at, at the right time. You can do that today. They've, you know, it's, it's a lot easier now than it was then. But if you get to the airport, you can have your ticket. You can have a reservation. You can have your bags checked and have your boarding pass. But if you're not at the gate within the time frame when they close those doors, you're not flying. For he who comes to Delta Airlines must be at the gate at departure time or else you're not flying. Well, he who comes to God must come in faith or he's not flying. So that's not fair. I, have, I felt that way that day. But me thinking it wasn't fair didn't get me on the plane. I still had to wait several hours for another flight from Denver to Atlanta because I didn't come according to the principles and the, and the rules that were laid down. And if you don't come by faith, you can't please him and you can't fly. For he who comes to God must come by faith. Amen. Well, what if, your weak is, what if your faith is, is weak? Well, you're not going to fly. <laughs> you're not going to fly with God when your faith isn't working. Well, amen. amen. For he who comes to God must believe, must have faith, must believe that he is. Now, most people get that part. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. See, I, I had almost everything right. I had my ticket. I was there. I was, had a smile on my face. I was, huh, for a, for a minute or two I did. Till I realized that they were not going to let me on that. On, they were not going to put my bag on the plane I wanted to get on. They were going to wait for another flight. I had it partly right, but I have it completely right. He who comes to God must come by faith, must believe. You have to believe. Listen, church, I, I wish I could think of a better way to say it so that I could stir you up to make sure you're living by faith because without faith, you can't fly. Your healing will come if you'll come by faith. 
The answer you're seeking from God will surely come if you come by faith. But if you come some other way, if you come just trying to say, oh, God, you know, I'll just smile real big and you'll just do it for me anyway. I know I'm in doubt and unbelief and I haven't been talking right, but you're surely going to make an exception for me. Nope, your bags are going to sit right there. They're going to sit right there until you start talking right, start believing right, get your faith right. The Lord will say, now you can get on the plane. Amen. Amen. So it, it, it pays to tune yourself up in faith. He who comes to God must believe that he is. Well, that, most people have that checked off. They believe that God exists. But that's only part of it. He who comes to God, here's how faith works, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, diligently seeking him is not by the uh, the, the wrinkling of your brow. That's not how you diligently seek him. It, you don't seek God by going, oh God, oh God, oh God. That's not, that's not diligently seeking God. That's trying to con God. <laughs> Jesus said, they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Some people today think they'll be heard for their much whining, begging, pleading, being cute. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seeking God is seeking God according to the word. Pleasing God is, is finding out from the word what does the Bible say about it and what does the Bible show me? What is the prescribed approach in this situation? What, 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 how, how am I supposed to pray? How am I supposed to petition? What am I supposed to, how am I supposed to approach God? He'll, he'll show you what to do right here. And if you'll spend more time in it, you'll get more enlightenment because to him who has, more will be given and he'll have abundance. But when you revert to whining and you revert to trying to, to uh, persuade God to just let you through, just, hey, let me in line. Just let me, let me cut in line here and, and avoid going through the steps of faith. I just want to just cut in line. You, you, you don't mind if I cut in with, in front of you, do, do you? No, that's not the way it works. He who believes, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Now, now, Greg, don't ask me to take off my shoes or anything, but ask me for something that you see I have that I can give you. You're my watch. There you go. Greg asked for my watch and I gave him my pen. Now, would it be intelligent for Greg to say, oh, thank you for that watch? Doesn't really look like, like a watch. I really can't tell. I, I wanted your watch because I wanted to tell time. I really can't tell. Maybe I could stand it up like this in the sunlight. I can tell time. It doesn't look. Would that be, would that be smart? Would that be intelligent for Pastor Greg to say, Oh, thank you for this wonderful watch. When he, he asked for a watch, 
And I gave him something else. You know, most of the church world believes God does that. Well, I know, you know, I mean, I asked God to heal me, but you know, it wasn't his plan to heal me. Instead, he gave me patience to, to, to handle my sickness because he knew, he knew I needed patience more than I needed healing. Instead of giving me, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, turn to Mark uh, chapter 11. Mark 11. Jesus said, verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Them what? Them what? Things you ask for. Notice Jesus didn't say, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and I will decide whether I want to give you them things or some other things. That's not what he said. He said, when you pray, when you ask, whatever you ask for, Believe you receive what you ask for and you will have what you ask for. Most of the church world, like I said, they, they, what happens is they're not asking in faith because they're willing to accept something else. And the enemy has, has sold the church world on this religious idea that you can ask God for whatever you want, but in the final analysis, God's going to give you what you need irregardless of what you ask for. Because God knows what you asked for wasn't good for you, and so instead he gave you something else, and that was the answer to this prayer. That's not scriptural. See, that's putting all the responsibility on God. Well, I could just ask and ask and ask, and in the final analysis, you know, he's just going to give me what he wants me to have. And that way, you know, he'll cover my, my wrong asking. That's not the way it works either. You have not because you ask not. Yet he says in James, and you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrong. A lot of Christians think, well, I can just ask, I'll just ask and ask and ask, and if it's wrong, the Lord will just, you know, he'll just hand me what he needs, what he wants me to have, and it'll all work out right. Actually, it's not God giving you the wrong thing. It's the enemy offering you a substitute for what you asked for. And he has conned the church world into thinking that it's God that's handing out uh, uh, alternative answers. And it's, God's not, he's not handing out alternative answers. If you, if you ask, the Bible says in 1 John 5, if you ask according to his will, he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, whatever you ask, you know you have it. See, the, 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 the trick the secret, but it's not a secret. The, the truth is you have to know his will before you ask him. 
And if you'll take the time to find out what his will is, then when you ask according to his will, you will get exactly what you ask for when you come in faith. When you speak right, when you believe right, when you ask for something according to the will of God, he will do that. And some people ask for the right thing. See, if you're sick and you ask for healing, that's, that's, that's the right thing. I know some Bible commentators and I know, I know theology and church tradition in a, lot of, in a lot of circles has said, well, you know, it might not be the will of God. You can ask God for your healing, but it might not be the will of God. God just saw fit to do something. That's not according to the word of God. Healing is the children's bread. It belongs to us. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Healing. He also said, what man, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would give him a serpent? Or if he asked for a watch, would give him a ballpoint pen? (laughs) Same thing. Same thing. What father among you, if your child asked for bread, would give him something else? Because bread's a good thing. Isn't that right? Fish is a good thing. Healing is a good thing. Peter said, if we are this day judged for the good deed done to this crippled man whereby he is, he, he's, he's healed. See, he called that healing a good thing. Healing is always a good thing. If you, being natural, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And he will not substitute something good for something that's not good. It's good to be able to pay your bills. That's a good thing. Well, if you ask for the financial help you need to meet your budget, that's a good thing. That's that's according to the word of God. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to, to eat the good of the land. That's a good thing. So when you ask, he's not going to give you something else. Well, you know, I asked for, for, for happiness and I got a bale full of trouble because God knew I needed trouble to help deepen my walk, to help train me. No, that, you wouldn't do that to your child if they asked for something good. You'd give it to them. So if you, here's the thing, people ask, but they, they ask the right thing, but they don't ask in faith. The reason you, the way you know they didn't ask in faith is because when the devil offered a substitute, they took it. They took the substitute. I'm not taking substitutes from my father because I know what belongs to me. I, I know what belongs to me. I know what he's promised in his word. And therefore, when the devil offers an alternative, when he offers a a discount, when he offers 50 cents on the dollar, I'm not interested in 50 cents on the dollar. I'm interested in 100 cents on the dollar. Amen. I'm, I'm not interested in almost or nearly. 
A lot of times people will pray and they'll, they'll ask for healing and uh, maybe they're praying for somebody and they turn in, I've heard this before, people turn in a request and the church prays and we find out, you know, a couple weeks later, well, you know, they're, they're a lot better and so these people want to pray and, and they have another prayer request. Let, let's just pray that God finishes the job. <laughs> God didn't start out to half do the job. He doesn't half heal you. Now, your body might be responding, but God's, God's, not, God's not healing you by degrees. In other words, when he says you're healed, you're healed. He's, he's not saying, well, you're, uh, I'm going to grant 85% healing. And if you come back to me, you can get the other 15%. <laughs> A lot of Christians, see, that's, that, that compromise in our, in our thinking robs us. Compromise up here will rob you of the blessings of God. Well, amen. Hallelujah. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he will do what he said. He will reward you. Amen. Greg, Pastor Greg did not get a very good reward today because he walked away with no watch or pen. He could have walked away. Well, he couldn't have really because I'm not going to keep it, but you understand the point. He could have had the watch, but when I handed him the pen, he took it. God's not handing out pens in places of watch. Don't misunderstand me. But the enemy will offer you the pen instead of the watch. Don't take it. Don't take it. God is a rewarder of those who stick with him. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, we're coming, I know this is Christmas, it's not a New Year's message but, or day, but we are coming to the end of this year. And do a checkup on your faith. Do a checkup. If you've had things that you've sought God for and believed you received but then over time because things didn't happen uh, you got weary and turned loose of those things go back and, and, and get your faith reestablished go back to the fundamentals of faith School yourself again in faith. And if the thing you were seeking God for that you've turned loose of, if it's the will of God, go back and pick it up. God wants all of us to live on a level where the blessings of God are abounding in our lives. Not just a blessing here or there. A lot of people live a semi-blessed life. There are blessings in their life. They can't deny God's blessings. God is blessing. But there are a lot of, of, of uh, uncollected blessings. Things that you've reached for, but you've not, for some reason, you've not been able to bring it in. Go back to your faith. School yourself in faith again. 
If it's the will of God, you can have it. He wants you to have it. But you have to be at the gate on time. <laughs> you have to come by Bible faith. You know, on that next flight, I was there on time. And I haven't missed a flight since. I've not missed another airplane flight since then because I've, I've made up my mind to come according to the rules. Oh, praise God. That was, a, that was a tough lesson. I didn't like it. I complained. I was indignant. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? My bag's right here. It's the other bags. I can still see the other bags. They're still sitting there. You're not going to add my bag to those? Nope. But you know what? I learned a valuable lesson. Learn to live by faith. The just shall live by faith, and this is the victory that will overcome everything. Amen? Father, we thank you today. Glory to God for your goodness and blessing. Father, we know that you have prescribed faith as our way of life. We came into this by faith and we stand by faith. We were grafted in. The natural branch was taken out and we, the wild branch, we were grafted in and we stand by faith. Help us, Father, to discipline ourselves to diligently go after everything you have for us by pure faith in God. Without compromise, without backing off, without giving up. Glory to God so that we can go to the next place you have for us. Oh, I sense in my heart, in my spirit, I sense God calling us as a congregation up higher to, to a, a, another level of faith and another level of experience. There's just so much more he's calling us into. But I know this, that the lessons of faith have to be learned and they have to be perfected. I know this. I know this. Glory to God. I ask you, Father, to birth in people's hearts today a hunger and a desire, a passion for the faith life. Oh, there's no other way to live. There's nothing as exhilarating as just pure faith in God when you lay hold of the promise of God by faith and you know that you know that you know that the answer is sure. There's nothing more comforting. There's nothing more settling. There's nothing more re rewarding. Hallelujah. I pray, Father, that every person here develops that kind of, that kind of determination to have their healing, to have their blessing, to have their answers, to have the direction they need in every arena of life. Glory to God so that, they, so that they and all of us together can be the kind of testimony to those around us of just how good you are, just how true you are. We thank you for it, Father.
Glory to God in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. You get anything out of this today? Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Huh? I know. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's important, isn't it? Take a little time. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Let's just lift our hands and thank you. Thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Mahomahash, Mahalagizi, Gombre Deca, Difredata, Ombre Nella Kefragis, Dombre Nella Difrafredon, non in Nishikrapre de Fredeso, Sifredea Sakafa. Hallelujah. You will be led out with joy. You will break forth singing and rejoicing. When you act on what you know, when you put into practice what you hear, the joy of the Lord will come flowing out of you. The peace of God will begin to mount garrison and guard over your heart and the joy of not this season, but the joy of this Jesus will be yours. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.